Good morning, everybody. Today the reading is from John chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. Commencing at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much for the reading, Angela, and welcome everyone. How are we all going this morning? Good. It's been a wonderful day of got to get this sorted. Um, celebrating the Lord these past few days, um, and Christmas has been absolutely beautiful, especially here um, at the three different services over the f- a few days, and I very much enjoyed my time um, celebrating God together. Um, Before I get stuck into the passage, today's passage, let me pray and then uh, we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for today, uh, for the ability to come here to sit under your word together, to learn more about you. We pray that you open our hearts and our minds to this word, that we will understand you and be able to put into practice what you'd have us do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is your response when someone asks, who are you? It's not often um, said in this way. I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me specifically, who are you? But it's often asked in a series of questions. Um, And generally when someone um, goes to identify themselves, they'll do so accordingly to what their gender is, Uh, what their ethnicity is, maybe their job description or family or educational status. Um, For example, I might say that I am a single male, Um, I was born in Australia and I'm a student that's studying at Moore Theological College. Now this is all about identity and identity politics is a major issue in today's society and it's unfortunately being weaponized to shut down any form of debate and to openly discriminate against certain 
identities. And this is because if you identify in a certain way, you're automatically given some sense of authority to speak about what it is or whom you identify with. As a uh, white, middle-class man, I cannot, for example, um, talk about what it means to be a first-generation migrant because I do not represent those people and I haven't lived their experiences. And these identity politics are all about power. It's about recognizing what authority someone has over another person due to their connection with certain groups. And unfortunately, some groups are, in society are accepted more than others. And I want you to keep this in mind as you think about how you would respond to that question. Who are you? In today's reading, John is asked this very question. We read in verse 19 that the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? Now, it's interesting to note that the people asking this question of John represents what it means to be holy men. They followed all the religious ceremonies and practices given to them by Moses through the law. They were experts and they were given authority in all religious matters. Their authority was passed down to them generation by generation. It was God that had given them this authority through Moses, and the, and the people identified these leaders accordingly. Now, John at this time had made quite a name for himself. People from around the region were coming to John to be baptized. So when the religious leaders asked him, who are you? What they're really asking is, by what authority do you do these things? And we can see this underlying question in verse 25. Why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Now, the reference to Christ, uh, Elijah, and the prophet uh, gives us a glimpse into the mindset of what the Jewish leaders might have been at the time. These three figures were associated with the end of days, which is understandable for, as the Jews at this time uh, were, were completely lost. They hadn't had a prophet in centuries. They were under the control of the Roman Empire. Yes, they had a king, but he was just a puppet. The Jewish people were spread across the known world. They were no longer unified. They were no longer united, a united people under God. It would seem like they were losing their sense or identity as God's chosen people. Now, by John baptizing people, he, in effect, is undermining the authority of these Jewish leaders. And because he had such a following, they needed to see if his authority was given to him by God, because it certainly wasn't given to him by these leaders, who are supposed to be experts in religious matters. And we see in verse 22 that the Jewish leaders again ask, who are you? What do you say about yourself? 
And here John finally identifies himself, and he does so using Scripture, quoting Isaiah. He's recognized God's plan for him and the authority that God has given him. John says he is the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John had been given authority by God to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Messiah, uh, God's chosen one. As he, John puts it, the word made flesh. And he later says, the lamb who would take away the sin of the world. John was there to prepare people for Jesus. Now John is an example we can all learn from. He's an example of how God gives authority to his people to testify concerning him. But how does God give this authority to his people? You see, firstly, he does so by giving them understanding. As a Christian, you have a greater understanding of God than anyone who isn't a Christian. Even greater than anyone who claims to be religious or an expert on God. And we can see this attitude in the passage, that even these religious experts couldn't understand. Among you stands one you do not know. Now, we have this understanding because God's Spirit dwells amongst his people. He lives in our heart. And when you accepted Christ into your heart, you received this Spirit. And his Spirit is there to make God's path known to you. It's there to guide you in preparation for when Christ returns. Secondly, God gives his people authority by giving them a voice. Now, in John's case, he is the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Uh, For John, God sent many crowds of people to come listen to him and to be baptized. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be a great preacher and have crowds of people following you, just as John did. But we need to recognize that um, God has put you in the place that he's put you in. He has a role for you to do. Casual conversations with people about God. Living out a life that reflects your understanding of God. And praying for those whom you know that don't believe are all great ways to ignite a spark in people's hearts towards God. And lastly, we have seen how God gives us authority because we are called his children. Earlier in John, we read, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's important to note that even with all this authority that God has given us, all this authority that God has given John particularly, who 
was a very important uh, role in part of God's plan for salvation, we need to do so in humility. And we can see this. Um, John gives us this example. We see this in verse 27. Strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. John could have been an arrogant man. He'd been given authority from God. But he recognized that Jesus was coming. And he recognized that Jesus was more worthy than him. Jesus had greater authority. And he humbled himself before him. But what is it that God has given his people authority to testify about? Um, yeah, I was going to go into great detail about the Isaiah passage, um, the, looking at the word of the way, uh, in reference to what the way might mean. Um, but I wanted to try to keep this sermon as short as possible because I'm tired. I think you're all tired from the Christmas as well. And I want to go home. It's quite hot as well. Um, so if you want to have a discussion about that later, I'm more than welcome to have a discussion about that as well. Instead, what I want us to sum up is that what we testify is Jesus. We testify Christ crucified. And John gives us a great example of a testimony, something that we can all share with people. And it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what we testify about. We testify about God's love. And we do so with all confidence, knowing that he has given you the authority to do it in his name. So, I close with, how would you identify yourself? Would you identify yourself as one having authority from God? As we all do. Let me pray. Father God, we give you thanks for this word. We thank you that you have sent your son for us. We thank you for the example that John has given us. We thank you that you open our hearts and minds to your word and that you have given us authority to testify concerning you. We pray that in the weeks to come that we will do so with confidence knowing that you are there for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.